Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share, she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal Series, five wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point! The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, and Susan's latest book, Down There, Sexual and Reproductive Health, The Wise Woman Way. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at the Wise Woman University. But you can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Hello. Good evening, everyone. This is Rebecca. I'm going to see if one of these 845 numbers are Susan. Is this you, Susan? Hi. Hi. Great. There are two 845 numbers with their hands raised. So. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Those are the only two callers right now. I am not I'm not home. You figured it out. I'm calling in from my cell phone because I'm down in New York City. And last night I was at the Museum of Modern Art to enjoy a movie by and performance by Annie Sprinkle and her lover, co-creator, Beth, and a wonderful man named Keith. 
plus a whole host of other people. Mm-hmm. How was the movie? You, the movie? The name of the movie is Water Makes Water. Me Wet. <laughs> right. Yes. I don't know if you ever met Annie. Annie um, did a short apprenticeship with me. I may have even been a Green Goddess Week. I have to check in with her. Um, two weeks or Green Goddess Week. One or two there, one or two weeks. And, of course, she was initiated. She didn't want to be initiated as a Green Witch. She wanted to be initiated as a Red Witch. And if you Google Annie Sprinkle, you'll find out why. And when you get initiated, you have to make a commitment. And her commitment was to bring her passion and what she knew about out to the world. And what... She says, I taught her, and I absolutely believe this because I certainly endeavor to teach this to people, is that what you want to do is to be lovers with the earth. You want Mm. to have a relationship with the earth like you'd have with your lover. And that can get into funny things like I'm notorious for saying that most trees are better lovers than most men. Mm. And I could agree with that, if actually. If you've never made love with a tree, well, then you better go find out what I'm talking about there. So Annie, after leaving her work with me, um, went out into the world and decided to get her Ph.D. in sexology. Hmm. And so she's Dr. Annie Sprinkle. And her lover, Beth, was already a professor at the University of California, so now Annie is too. And in fact, they run the Echo Sex Lab at UC Santa Cruz. And Interesting. The movie, yeah, the movie Water Makes Me Wet is part of the work that they're doing at the Echo Sex Laboratory. And that the movie, which was a feature-length movie, I think it was a little over an hour, was preceded by this wonderful piece by Keith, and my mind is blanking on his last name. I think it's Wilson. And he came up to me. It's a wonderful piece on a, on a tree. It was called The Tree. And you see this little baby seedling tree being planted, and then in fast time you watch it grow, and then you see family come and cut it down for Christmas and take it home and decorate it and then throw it out. And then you see it recycled. And how it's recycled into uh, mulch, right, into wood chip mulch. And then you see a new thing being planted and being protected by the wood chip mulch. Mm. So it's just this beautiful lyric. Yeah. yeah, and he came up afterwards and he said, I want to introduce myself. He said, I'm your newest correspondence course student. And I'm, most of my job is to hit the floor. Like, you know, I think, filmmaker, what? is learning about, but he says, I've been working so closely with Annie and Beth, and they speak so highly of you and how you turn them on to echo sex that I figured I ought to give herbs a try. Wow, that's so cool. Isn't that fun? I, so I can't wait to check it out. I'm so curious now. <laughs> yeah, and it's a mm-hmm. movie, and, and people were saying, how does movie come to be shown at the Museum of Modern Art? I mean, now granted, you know, when my granddaughter said, these people who made this modern art, when did they live? 
And Justine and I chuckled and said, 100 years ago. <laughs> so the fact that the Museum of Modern Art is truly doing its best to be modern as of today is really thrilling. Mm-hmm. And Annie had all of the um, extra echo sexualists of New York City who wanted to participate up on stage last night. And that was... So it was participation from the audience. No, these were people who beforehand had had signed up to do a stage performance with her. You couldn't just spontaneously get up and join. You could ask questions, but you couldn't join the performance. It was a somewhat Mm -hmm. choreographed performance. A wonderful time was had by all, and uh, that's why I'm calling you for my cell phone. Okay, yeah, so you might, good reason. So make note, make note of the number. I might have been calling you from my cell phone anyhow, because the word I have from back home is that phone service and electricity is out over swaths because of the high winds which brought down trees under the lines. Yeah, it's interesting here, too. We've been having, like, really heavy snowfall, which is not uh, normal for this area. And um, lots of fallen trees and lots of power out, but we still have our power, thankfully. So, But now it's starting to snow. It's, like, dumping snow right now, so we'll see what happens. And hopefully everybody... Yeah, it's really, really. This is about the time you start to think about out, think about going out and getting um, the balm of Gilead buds, right? Yeah, I already, um, I, I got some. I was able to get out on a really nice sunny day and get some before um, it started raining and raining and now snowing for like weeks on end. But yeah, they, they were out. They get come out pretty early here. Like um, you can get them like the end of January and the beginning of February, and then they stay on. Um, they stick around for quite a while. Like I think that they're still budding right now and not not quite think, uh, leafing out. I think that has got to be one of my favorite smells in the world. Mm, I'll have to send you some. But the the western poplars here are really something else. They are very like people. When I make my salve, they say, you know, is it, <laughs> do you put essential oil in there? It's so strong, you know, because it's so fragrant. But, uh, yes. yeah, it's such a smell. smell. It's mm-hmm. not essential oil. It's what's in that bud right there. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about how you use your Balm of Gilead oil? Because it is a wonderful ointment oil to use. What a fabulous herbal remedy it is. Yeah, because it has um, the psilocin, or, yeah, am I saying that right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, It's really pain-relieving, and then it's also, we've used it as a chest rub before, which that is, my son actually has, like, a dry hacking kind of cough right now. I might put some on his chest tonight if he'll let me. (laughs) And, um, yeah, I use it for, like, muscle muscle tension and um, relieving, like, muscle pain and uh, and for respiratory stuff. Yes, that's... that's How do you use it? That's, well, that's what I think of, too. If it hurts, put balm mm-hmm. of Gilead on it. it because it is yeah, so... Yeah, and it's, like, highly antibacterial and fungal as well. I haven't used it so much for those purposes because I use, you know, other things, but... 
I mean, if that's what you had, you could definitely use it for, you know, for wound care as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And remember that it's sometimes easier to access the lungs through the back. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's so true. Give them, a, give them a little back rub. Mm-hmm. Little boys, little boys especially, are often more open to having their backs rubbed than things being applied to their front where they can see it. Yes, that's so true. Yeah, he's much more into having his back rubbed than than uh, the chest. So, yeah. Yes, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> okay, and as yeah. I was. Um, as I was walking this morning in the New York City streets, I saw um, the oh maybe an inch, an inch and a half of the spring bulbs poking up through the soil. Just those first bits of green noses, and you go, yeah, all right, it is almost March. Yeah, we were actually getting some daffodil flowers before the snow came. It was like, now it's. I wonder what's going on with them. I wonder if they'll survive the snow. <laughs> oh, they don't. They do not mind the snow at all. I've seen the daffodils totally covered in snow, look like they're beaten to the ground, and then the snow melts and they just stand up again and go, "Oh, that was nice." Mhm. Yeah. I mean, they, we they were getting be some... damaged by. Uh, by ice and sleet, but if it's really just snow that falls down on them, they seem to survive that pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully it doesn't turn into too much ice. <laughs> A lot of so times what happens were- here is the snow will come down super heavy and then it will rain over the top of it and turn into ice, and then it just becomes really heavy and compacted. So. Oh, yeah, that's we're hoping that's- Yeah. At 9 o'clock tonight... Kathleen Hannigan is going to be with us, and she is going to tell us about Love Seed. You know, I often say that one of the most important spiritual decisions that each one of us has to make is to decide whether or not we believe in evil. Hmm. And I don't. I do not think that there is such a thing as evil. I truly believe that every person has goodness and love at their core. I certainly admit and see that a great deal stands between the, that love and goodness in the core and its expression. But that's what really you know, made me go, aha, about Kathleen in her idea of love seed, is that she believes that every human being has a unique kernel of essential goodness and infinite possibility within them. This is also the take on the human condition of Wilhelm Reich and the Reichian therapy, which is we are all loving and good. But there's a lot between us and being able to express that. Let's see if Kathleen can help us express it, because she's been working for 30 years with others and with herself in this quest. Nine o'clock, Kathleen Hannigan. And I think that's maybe, you know, why we are all here is to remove those boundaries to that love and being in that, you know, unity kind of consciousness of, 
you know, like goddess, God, um, consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Could you know, be. I figure, I figure if I say goddess, I don't have to add God to it. God's already in it, isn't it? And I love that you say that, you know, that God does not include the goddess, but goddess always includes God. So. <laughs> and woman always yes. includes man, but man doesn't include woman. I mean, it's pretty obvious what the inclusive language is. Goddess and woman includes everyone. And God mm-hmm. and man excludes women and goddess. So did you say there were people who had questions? There is just one person with their hand raised, but we have a lot of other callers. If you have a question for Susan, you need to press 1 to ask your question. And we will go to the first caller that's coming from the 845 area code. Hi, Susan. Good evening. It's Michelle. Thank you for taking my call. Um, hi, Michelle. I have, hi. I have a question about, uh, two questions, actually. I think they're pretty brief. Calendula, I did see online that, and I'm sorry, I don't have Wi-Fi where I am right now, so I can't look again, but I did see um, that you could make a salve out of it with beeswax. I was wondering, I bought some fresh, and I know that, probably takes a while is there anything else that i can do with it like maybe make an infusion my dogs have these like itchies on them and the vet is wants to put steroid something or other on them and i won't let them do that so i was hoping that maybe the calendula would would help that if you have any ideas about that okay that's about 30 questions rolled into one Oh, my God, so, I'm so sorry. That's, no, no apology needed. First of all. <laughs> I knew I was going to do that to you. Sorry. Your dog your dog has an itch. Yes, and it's anytime, getting scurfy. Anytime we hear the word itch, we're going to think plantain. Oh, you did tell me that before, but this has gotten to the point where it's getting oozy and and sort of become hot spots, so I thought I needed to go I understand. Them. So you have been putting plantain on it? I did once, but, I, you know what, I didn't keep it up because I didn't think it was oh, helping. Oh, golly, golly, it does have to be done. Didn't give it a once. fair shake. Yeah, it's got to be done yeah. a lot more than once. And this is one of the reasons that people like pharmaceutical medicine over herbal medicine. Herbal medicine is not a magic pill. You've got to do it and do it and do it and do it. Right. Okay. You really have to put some effort into it if you're going to use the herbs. And if not, then the steroid cream is a good choice. It is a good choice. Okay. No, I want to use the herbs, but it's getting worse. It's an excellent choice if you haven't used the herbs and it's gotten to be a hot spot. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. You've had weeks to treat this with herbs, yes? I'm sorry, say that again? You've had weeks of time to treat this with herbs? I've had a few weeks, yes, I have. And, I, and it, and got, it you, seemed and, like it and was I'm better. Not and way, I'm not in any way blaming you or saying you should have done anything different. I'm just establishing the facts. Yeah, that, no, no. I, 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 you I had weeks to, and weeks and weeks to work with the herbs, and yep. now it's at a place where... Steroids can turn it around fast. 
So you would you would you are okay with doing that using the steroids on the spots that are bad? There are seven medicines: serenity medicine, story medicine, mind medicine, lifestyle medicine, alternative medicine, pharmaceutical medicine, and deep medicine. We need all seven medicines. Anytime we slam the door on any of these medicines, we are being unwise. Hmm. I agree with you. The better thing to do is to treat it herbally, but no blame, no shame, no guilt, you didn't. Right. Okay. Well, for whatever, you didn't. And so now, because we are past the time and that would have worked, we're going to use steroids. Okay. And that's going to turn that corner so that then we can start using herbs again. So if it turns the corner with the steroids, there's only a couple of spots that I'm worried about. And they're really not that bad. I'm kind of an alarmist with them. But uh, if the, okay, well, I know nothing except what you're telling me, right? Right, but I'm just saying, I mean, I am I'm, I'm a little nutty about it. So, But that's good because I'm paying attention, at least All for right. me. But anyway. So, okay, so one, that's, that's, that's that about that. That's the first five questions. Okay. <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay. That's okay. Well, the but the step, step, when the I put steroid on and it clears it up. Question. I oh, was a okay. little unclear. I think you said you bought fresh calendula flowers. I did. And to get fresh calendula flowers in the middle of the winter or even the end of the winter. I'm sorry. I said fresh, but I meant dried, real calendula flowers, like not already in a tincture. Tincture or something. Okay, you, the did get, you didn't get fresh flowers. No, I got dried flowers. You got dried. All right. Well, that makes a lot more sense because I was trying to figure out where on where where I told maybe she's in <laughs> Australia. You know, in the Bahamas. I don't know. You know. All right. <laughs> so fresh means the living plant, and dried is dried. Right. I personally have seen people make, okay, ointments out of dried plant material, but I would always use fresh plant material to make an oil or an ointment. Okay. Um, So I'm not saying you can't. Uh, In fact, many, many, many people do indeed make their oils and ointments out of dried plants, and they usually resort to heating it. Oh, okay. And of course... There's a couple of things about heating it. One, if you're using oil, olive oil, heating the oil is going to break it down. And that's a bad thing. Yes, go rancid. Oh, oh, I see, I see, I see. I thought it was like when you... No, it destroys the integrity of the oil to heat it. Right, so it won't become a good vehicle for the stuff. It's not ideal. There are places that I have seen that sell a lot of herbal oil and ointment, and they do use dry plant materials, and they use a crock pot that can be set to a specific low temperature so they don't harm their oil. Most people are just going to stick it in the oven or heat it up some other way, and they are going to hurt their oil. So not just any crock pot. It has to be a crock pot that has a temperature dial that can be adjusted down to a low temperature. 
if you want to make an herbal oil with dried plant material and good quality oil. Now, originally what people did was they used fresh plant material and animal fat. And since animal fat is solid at room temperature, it has to be heated in order to make the herbal ointment. And speaking uh-huh. of being solid at room temperature, that means that if you infuse an herb into animal fat, which remains fairly stable so long as you don't heat it too hot, when it cools, it's solid. You don't need to add anything to it to make it solid. If you are using oils like olive oil or almond oil, then after your herb has infused in the oil, if you want to make an ointment, you do need to add some beeswax to it in order to solidify it. Okay. It's not, it's certainly not the norm. And I would say the vast majority of the time, there's no problem at all with using an ointment with beeswax in it. But there are situations in which an herbal ointment with beeswax has been put onto a fungal infection, which has caused the fungal infection to spread because the wax traps it under the skin. Oh, that's good to know. Right? Wow. I never thought about that. Wow. Huh. Or where a beeswax ointment has been put on an open sore and caused it to close over on the top, which is a breeding ground for bad stuff. Okay. I certainly use ointments made with beeswax. I prefer ointments made with animal fat. I really started thinking about this years ago when I was working on the uh, breast health book. And I was Uh reading that Hildegard of Bingen um, suggested for a woman who had a lump in her breast that she use an ointment made with a plant. And we don't know what the plants are because Hildegard had her pet names for them and she never described them. So we really have really not a clue as to most of the plants that she was actually using guesses. We have guesses, but not not real knowledge. Anyhow, some plants was to be infused in the belly fat from a young male goat. Huh. And I thought, right, right, because so many breast cancers are estrogen feeders, and the belly fat from a young male goat is loaded with testosterone, which is going to block that estrogen. Wow. What makes cortisone in your body? Your kidneys and adrenals, the adrenals, the glands on top of your renals, on top of your kidneys. So the kidneys don't make it, but the adrenals, which are on top of it, make it. And each kidney and its accompanying adrenal, which is a tiny little thing, are packed in fat. So if you put fresh calendula or fresh plantain into the kidney fat, from an animal, you would have a homemade cortisone ointment. I'm, I'm going to have to listen to this again. This is so much wonderful information. So if I had animal fat and I could infuse the calendula or the plantain into that, 
that would that would be a ster- like a steroid shot, uh, like a steroid cream, right? If you had the fat from around the kidneys. Oh, it has to be particularly from the kidney. I see. Right, because that's because hormones are specialized kinds of fat. Ah, okay. That was the part of the puzzle I was missing. Okay. Wow. Well, yeah. And wow. To think, to think that we almost lost all of this from herbal medicine. I sat there and I looked at this information from Hildegard and I thought, why did nobody ever tell me? I mean, the furthest back that I had gotten was making your herbal ointments in lard. And that's back, you know, for 100, 150, couple hundred years. But to go back, you know, over a thousand years to Hildegard and to suddenly find this very important vein of knowledge about what kind of fats to use to make our ointments was, I, I hear you having, I had to read that account over and over again to convince myself that I wasn't making it up. Don't you think that's got to be, I mean, some kind of divine knowledge? Because how could that possibly be discerned thousands of years ago? Like to know to take it off the fat of the kidney. That just, I don't know, it feels like it's... Well, Hildegard herself was a very astute observer. For Mm -hmm. approximately 2,000 years before Hildegard's time, until... Her time, and now, you know, this belief has not completely died out. It was understood that women had nothing to do with conception. The woman, that the woman was merely the field, and the man sowed his seed into the field, and his seed grew semen, means seed in Latin. Semen is not a seed. A seed already has genetic material from the mother and the father. Semen is not a seed. Semen is just half of the stuff. So it's misnamed right off. And for 2,000 years, this was the line. This was the medical line. This is what everybody knew. This is what everybody believed. And Hildegard stood up and said, Balderdash. Wow. Wow. I have to read about Hildegard. Hildegard of Bingen. Let me tell you, there are people so into Hildegard that they call themselves Hildy girls. And she's so much. (laughs) I think I've heard that expression. (laughs) Yeah, she is so much. I mean, I am just barely, barely telling you about her. She was a mystic. She composed amazing music that is still sung to this day. Right. And I was familiar with. And I once said that Hildegard of Bingen took on the Pope and won, and a Hildy girl said to me, no, you're wrong. I said, she didn't? She said she took on three Popes and won, Susan. Oh, i got to join the Hilda girl club. Oh, my gosh. Susan, have you written about her in any of your books? No. No, I could okay. not do her justice. She is an amazing woman. There is a novel about her called Scarlet Music. Oh, okay. And that is a wonderful place to start. Well, you just started me up right now, so thank you for catalyzing that with my 17-compound question that I asked you. You (laughs) are 
Welcome. Okay, now, the last part of that question was, could you make an infusion from calendula? You could, but would putting it on your dog ease the sore spot? You know, I don't know. If I was I just thinking, cause they, they're making me bathe them. And yeah. the they, not crazy bad idea in the winter, they, but... Who's they? Uh, I'm sorry, the, the, vet, the vets are suggesting I bathe them once a week with a... It, it doesn't seem too bad. I mean, it is definitely uh-huh. from the pharmaceutical medicine world, but it seemed to ease it. But honestly, Susan, I live in a cabin up here in, in the mountains. Wait a second. Water, water is not a drug? No, 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 no. The, the shampoo is a drug. Oh, not just bathe them, but bathe them with a shampoo. Yeah, they want me to bathe them with this particular shampoo. And honestly, Susan, it was helping, but I fear well, the, the weather. It's just, I mean, my floors are cold. You know, I, I, I keep it as warm as I can, but it just doesn't feel right to bathe anybody that's going to, you know, have fur. And right. it just doesn't make I wanna, sense. But anyway, I want to just, I, I I just slightly turn the tables on you, okay? Suppose please do. Some, suppose that someone came to you and asked your advice about something that was really perplexing to them, and you said, this helps, and then they went and said to a friend that you made them do this thing. Oh. Well, I, 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 I hear what you're saying, yes. I didn't have to do anything. It's not like we co-own my animals. They're my animals. I could make choices for them. They didn't make you do anything, did they? No, but they suggested it strongly enough that I figured more than me. Them and demeaning to them to put them in that role. Mm. Like there's some mommy daddy demon god who's forcing you to do these things you don't want to do. Did you go to them and ask help? I'm sorry, did I go to them and, and what? Ask for help? Of course I did, but I didn't well, want to bathe them, and I just thought, hey, if I have to do it, maybe I'll put the lendula I'm not infusion. talking about that. I'm simply saying they didn't make you do anything. You asked them No, I, I listened, but then I did what I wanted to do, which was not bathe them. Okay. That's I mean, fine. I did it a couple of times, and, and then I stopped because I was afraid Again, to. Yes, it's absolutely fine. What I'm carrying on about is your saying, they made me bathe my oh, dog. I, I'm not speaking. They didn't. They did not make you. No, they, they suggested. They suggested because you asked them for help. Right. I paid I them for help, so, actually. Right. I think it's so <laughs> if we ask people for help that we at least respect their suggestions, not that we have to follow them, but we don't have to, like, cast them in the role of being the ogre. Oh, and I don't mean that they're ogres. I, I didn't mean to in, insinuate that. They so, made sorry if, me bathe my dogs in this pharmaceutical shampoo certainly sounds like an ogre. Oh, well, that was a poor choice of verbs, so I apologize. No apology needed. It has, has nothing. I'm not offended. Oh, okay. I mean, I didn't want to offend my vet you either. Throw, you're, you're throwing away your power doesn't offend me. Uh, right, it's not good for me. And you've told me that before, and thank you for that teaching again. Okay. But if, if let's just say, and this could happen, as you know, up here, there's a warm day, a crazy warm day, like a 50-degree day, 
do you think if I made, I felt like I read this someplace online in one of your places. Um, if I made a calendula infusion, could I maybe rinse them with it after I shampooed them? Or instead of shampooing them, all of that is certainly possible. Oh, thank you. That's I, I didn't know if that was like just a dumb thing to do or I wasn't understanding it. And would I make that I infusion? That, I, don't, I don't think there's too many dumb things we can do with herbs. There are things we can do that don't work, but that's okay. I once put wild rose hips in vinegar and let them sit together for six weeks, and at the end I had vinegar and rose hips. And they were not talking to each other. Because the wild <laughs> rose hips in my area are like little BBs. They're so hard. I mean, they have no flesh on them at all. And I thought, okay, well, I'll never do that again. It was just a waste of a jar having stuff in it. Well, it wasn't even really a waste because I just took the vinegar and poured it over something else, you know. But what's really important is that we don't castigate ourselves, right? Right, because then, you know what, you've told me that a lot, and when you say, when it's finally going to sink in maybe in a few years, but when it did sink in a little the first time you said it to me, it made me try stuff more, and and now I love my herbal infusions. I get mad when I forget, and I, I really, I just, I do get mad at myself when I go to bed and I forget to do one, and then I remember you say only four hours for the infusions, and I quickly make them, so thank you so much for, for that, and um, just to get back to the calendula infusion, Susan, if I do do that for their shampooing purposes, would I still do an ounce to the big mason jar, or would I make it stronger? An ounce to a quart is good. You're going to have to do, I would do a big potful of a gallon of water with four ounces of calendula. Oh, okay. That's smarter, I guess, because it Unless does, does it not. Planning... Yeah, I Go can. Ahead. You were talking about a bath. Right, or but really? they're tiny. I forgot to tell you, oh, they're like okay. very. I, was gonna say, but I don't know how big these are. <laughs> right, they're like the size of cats. Okay. <laughs> Small cats, little cats. So you'll need to make you'll need to make the amount of fusion that's commensurate with their size. Yes. Right, but I was just thinking the dilution would be the same as my the the ones I drink every day. Right, an infusion is one ounce of dried herb and a quart of boiling water. Oh, it always is that. I'm sorry. I didn't understand that either. Okay. Thank you so much, Susan. Um, you are welcome. Thanks for your question. Thank you for always correcting my articulation so that I don't say the wrong, I mean, don't insinuate the, what I'm not meaning. <laughs> I, I absolutely hear you, and that's what our guest uh, this evening is going to be helping us understand how we can come from that loving goodness inside us and express it Clearly, it's a, it's always a challenge for every single one of us. As a matter of fact, the Rinpoche up the mountain uh, from where I live in said, you all are always complaining about miscommunication, but are you thankful that you can communicate? Amen. Amen. Blessed be. <laughs> Thanks for your call. Hey, happy happy day to you. Thank you. Green blessings. Okay. If you have a question for Susan, make sure to press 1 to ask her, and we will go to the caller from the 208 area code. Oh, good. More people raise their hand. I'm glad. Hi, Susan. Hi. Um, I'm really excited to talk to you. A little bit nervous, um, but I guess I'll just get into it. 
Um, Good. I've been working toward a new career path for the past year and a half or so while my son is little. Um, and it's been mostly in the hypothetical realm, um, but I'm at the point now where I'm kind of starting to have to put myself out there. Um, and I'm coming up against a lot of resistance, um, and I guess I'm just having a hard time discerning between um, fear of failure, fear of being vulnerable, and um, maybe it not being the right path for me. So I guess I'm just wondering if you have any insight on that. As far as I am concerned, the most important thing that we can ever do is to fail. In fact, success has been defined as the person who got up once again after failing. Bill Gates is a very rich man, but the first two businesses he started, he ran into bankruptcy. Thomas Edison tried a hundred ways to make a light bulb before he figured it out. Someone said to him, you failed a hundred times. And Thomas Edison said, no, I now know a hundred ways it won't work. You know about Thomas Edison, right? Another notable human being who basically taught me that the goal is to fail. Keep failing until you succeed. If you're going to let failure get in your way, then you might as well just sit in front of the TV. Yeah. So fail. Make a fool of yourself. Why not? You will discover whether or not this is truly your path only if you commit yourself to it. Thank you. I think that's exactly what I needed to hear tonight. Yeah. And so if you commit yourself to it and you discover it's not your path, that's okay too. A woman's first right is the right to change her. And I want to thank my parents for really being clear with me about that. That if I really wanted something and I got it, and I did it for a while, and then I said, golly, gee, I'm not really interested in this. I didn't get any feedback about it. What I got was, what are you interested in now? To be abundantly well, I think, means that we want to always take risks and we always want to be available to failure. Isn't that really what we mean when we say someone is young? That they're still taking risks, they're still doing pratfalls, they're still willing to accept failure? Isn't it what we mean when we say someone is old but they aren't taking risks anymore? Yeah. I certainly do not encourage anyone to take stupid risks. Don't kick over a Harley and walk into the biker bar and say, 
whose bad word, bad word bike did I trash? <laughs> Stupid risk. Don't go darting across six lanes of traffic moving at 80 miles an hour. That's not what I'm talking about. And there's a whole host of other things that I probably wouldn't do. But what you're talking about is a reasonable risk, I believe. Now, you haven't been specific about what you're doing, so let me continue just a little bit. If this new career path has anything whatsoever to do with multi-level marketing, get out now and never look back. Yeah, definitely not. I'm I'm looking to become All right. a teacher. Okay. <laughs> I don't really believe anyone ever becomes a teacher. I think we are teachers. And then we find ways to get that into the world. I saw my granddaughter doing the same thing I used to do as a child. Teaching her dolls, standing in the mirror, teaching the image in the mirror, being a teacher. <laughs> you know if you're a teacher. Because your life is about teaching. And then you hone your skill so that you become an ever better teacher. So that I'll walk out of a class enough paces behind people that I can hear what they're saying and hear what they didn't understand in what I said so I can clarify that, so I can say it in a way that is easier to hear. When I write my books, I usually spend a year or two sending them out in manuscript form to anybody who will read them and listening to their feedback when I was writing the breast cancer question mark, breast health exclamation point book, women who'd had breast cancer took me to task for talking about breast cancer patients. And they said, we're not patients. Hmm. I thought, wow, they found where I failed. Now I can do something different. And I came up with the idea of dancing cancer. <laughs> If I had been just allowed to think I was succeeding, I would not have had that new image. I'll tell you a true story. When I sent my green book, Healing Wise, out for people to read, the vast majority of people did not like the plants talking. In fact, they felt that it was embarrassing that I had talking plants. <laughs> and they urged me to give it up and to publish the book without the talking plant pages. And you know, it's not like we're talking a huge amount of the book. Of seven plants, what are we talking about? Maybe 15, 20 pages? It would have been a small amount of pages to remove. And I really find what they were saying. They felt embarrassed by it. They felt that I was being embarrassed. They thought I would be embarrassed. And what I did was that I lived for 24 hours as though that book had been published without the plant voices, and I saw how I felt. And then I lived for 24 hours as though the book had been published, and everybody thought I was a total idiot and was making fun of me, and I saw how that felt. And I vastly preferred being made fun of and tearing out my heart. Because that's what it would have been to publish that book without the plant voices. I love the plant voices. Right. It would have required me to tear out my heart. And I thought, 
This is very clear. I'm not tearing out my heart. If I am the object of ridicule, so be it. But you, like most people now, 30 years later, love the plant voices and even find it difficult to believe that people were against them. So that's another thing that you can do. Live for 24 hours as though you have made this commitment and then live for 24 hours as though you haven't and see how you feel. Okay, I'll try it. All righty. Thanks for calling. um, What? Any advice with uh, moving through the resistance um, I I was kind of paralyzed with with that resistance today. I just had a hard time going about my day as I should have. Um, I was just kind of stuck. Well, I have had several teachers who have told me that I that it is best not to should on myself. Yeah. I. I prefer to observe myself. I remember saying to Jujana, Jujana, I see myself saying I will do tarot readings in these circumstances and then weaseling out of it and not doing it and forgetting it. And she looked at me and she said, well, it's very clear that you need to take a break from doing tarot readings at all. And I went, oh, yes, of course. So when I'm shooting on myself, I say, what are you learning here? Are you learning, you know, how to really express who you are, are you, are you still trying to express what you think you should be? I said to an artist of my acquaintance, how do you get so much work done? And he said, by spending as much time as I want staring idly out the window. <laughs> That was most, one of the most important gifts of my life. How do you get so much done? By letting myself be idle. That speaks to me right now for sure. Yeah. Thank most you so women, much, Vince. Yeah, m- most women actually find their way to this when they're pregnant, don't they? Yeah, I see that. Yeah, <laughs> that the, the pregnancy somehow frees them up to let them be as they need to be, not as they should be. Thanks for your call. Thanks for your question. Green blessings. Thank Good you night. so much, Susan. Green blessings. Next caller is coming from the 903 area code. Can you hear me? Can you hear the trolls working in the background? <laughs> yes. That's the steam heat. That's the steam heat in the apartment. When the heat comes on, the trolls have to do it. 
Oh. Oh. So we just have a troll activity. <laughs> That's fun. It is. <laughs> okay. Is there another question? Uh, yes, yes. Um, uh, good to talk to you again this evening. Thank you. I have a, a rather possibly silly question, but... Um, uh, we had some people over that um, go to school and gave us lice, and I oh, remember. Greg, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a, that's an experience. And um, so I was wondering if you had some help to get to deal with this immediately because we didn't know that this was happening, and so now it's like, um, oh my God, these things are crazy. <laughs> yes, it is time for hysterical hygiene. Yes, okay. Yes, hysterical hygiene. Late. Everything. Towels, sheets, pillowcases, shirts, everything, everything. We're talking head lice, right? Yes. Okay, because there's three kinds of human lice. Eyelash lice, head lice, and pubic lice. And gotcha. they don't this switch is... around. Okay, no, this is the, he- this is the head lice. This is head definitely lice. the okay. head, head lice. Are, okay. Head lice are not going to go live in your eyelashes or your pubes. Similarly, okay. eyelash lices are not going anywhere else. Head lice, okay. right? So hysterical, yeah. hysterical hygiene on everything that could have come in contact with the head, right? Okay. And you basically have two choices. Get a lice comb, which is a very fine-tooth comb. Right. And... Comb every nick and every louse out into hot water. Most people do this sitting in the bathtub for each other. And then shampoo, and you have to do this three or four or five days in a row until you're really not seeing anything. Big effort. Or you go to the drugstore and you get the vile chemical and you dump it on your head and they're all dead. Okay. And then you take care of yourself and your kids because you dumped a biochemical on your head. Right. Okay. Well, especially since I've got a young child with it, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna opt for the other one at least first. Um, yeah. 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 Okay. And if yeah. you can't find a lice comb, go to a pet shop and get a flea comb. Okay. Right. Okay. What I would not do, but I used to do in the past, was suggest that you put some essential oil on the scalp and then like a, a shower cap, a plastic shower cap over it. Okay. It doesn't need kill the lice, but I don't think really when all is said and done, it's better than the chemical. Okay. I think it's really a really harsh thing to do, especially to a child. Yeah. Yeah. On the other hand, oh, lice are so icky. Yeah. I, I mean, stick to my stomach, icky. <laughs> like, really? I saw them. I'm like, oh, my God. Really? Like, oh, oh, so terrible. <laughs> hey, Rebecca, do you have anything to say in this conversation here? I haven't had to deal with lice since I was a child, and I was just uh, kind of <laughs> hoping that my kids don't get it anytime soon. Oh, my gosh. But I've heard of people oh. do, getting rid of lice with coconut oil, though, and, like, combing it out because it will suffocate the lice. But 
Yeah. I don't know. I've yeah. never okay. tried it myself. It's and it's not just the lice; it's their eggs. You really have to get all the nits, which are these fine little eggs that are attached to the hair shaft. Right, right. That's that's what I was reading. Is that 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 they're they're like practically microscopic, and and so they're really hard to get out. And of course, the more hair you have, right. you know. Uh, so I'm yeah. So we yeah we 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 just started with the whole wash all the sheets, wash all the you know pillowcases, everything um, stuff. But I thought you know I would ask you because I I, I don't want to use the chemicals, especially. I mean it's all of us. We've all got it. It's so it's so horrible. It, it, we oh, didn't it's, know. They didn't know. It's so it's the whole family. Incredibly contagious. There's no way yes. to not get it. If you hug yeah. each other, touch each other, sit close to each other, then everybody has life. Sure. Yeah. 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 They're very, <laughs> they are very clever at getting from one human to another, let me tell you. They yeah. are survivors. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. It, and it seems with with my daughter and my husband, they, they, they've got it bad. I mean, there's no, no doubt they've got it bad, and, and the bugs are biting them. But I'm, like, having this reaction where wherever they bite, I have these, like, huge welts and everything. It's just, it's horrible. And I'm like, these things oh. are just vicious. Yes. So you're having an inflammatory response. Yes. To their saliva. And you might yes. want to think about drinking more linden infusion. Okay. And see Which I if you could, yes, see if you can quell some of that in, inflammation for yourself. Okay. I have. I also. Th- I personally think, hey, coconut oil smothers them. Maybe. I think vinegar does them in. Okay. And it's you know it's not the end of the world to put vinegar on your hair in a shower cap on the vinegared hair and let it sit uh-huh. that way for a while. Yeah, okay, you smell like salad dressing, but better than chemicals. Oh, heck yeah. No, I mean, I sometimes use apple cider vinegar anywhere as like a, a hair rinse or whatever. So, okay, so like just exactly. like s- soak it and just like soak it for an hour or? Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. because okay. vinegar kind of dissolves, I think, those nits. Okay. All right. I'm taking notes because after we get off, uh, after I get off this call, you know what I'm doing. <laughs> Hysterical hygiene. I used to do a class on fleas and lice and, and poison ivy and all that stuff, and people begged me to stop. <laughs> I tell you what, I thought I thought we were immune because you know we we typically only hang out with people that. Um, that don't go to school, and I've always heard about, you know, well, it's all the school kids that get it, and I thought, oh, I'm immune. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, well, at least, so. at least the human flea is extinct. That's one extinction I think we all thought. Oh, yes. That's, thank God for that. Yes, thank very, very, very thankful for that. So, okay, all right. So, um, so you don't advise the essential oil. You think uh, like vinegar is a better thing than yeah. Okay, and and then the linden infusion, which I've been doing that anyway. Um, you know, in my in my rotation, uh, should I do more what linden? Yeah, what I'm, or what I'm suggesting is that you do more linden. Not just once okay. every five days, once every two or three days, since you're having such a strong reaction. 
Gotcha. Okay, that's that's what I was going to ask. Okay, perfect. Perfect. All right. I'm going to do it. Thank you. Thank okay. you so very much. Green blessings. Be gone, thank you. Be gone. Be gone. <laughs> Be gone. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you. Okay. The next caller is coming from the 845 area code, and if you have a question, please press 1. Hello there in the 845. Hi, Susan. Hi. How are you? Hold on. Pretty well. How about you? Okay. I'm so happy to hear from you. Thank you. Um, yes. I lost my question, <laughs> so I'm just going to have to wing it. Okay. Um, I'm about the age when I first met you about 25 years ago, and, and you were so vibrant and healthy and and just like, it seemed like you were just like grabbing the bull by the horns. And and at this age, I feel like I want to, like, crawl in bed with you and say, hi, Grandma. <laughs> and I'm not even a grandma, although, like, I could be. But today I called myself Grandma to my son's little dog. And that really caught my attention. Yeah. Everybody's attention, as a matter of fact. So I'm not exactly clear what it is you're saying. I think you're saying that, I mean, this grandma thing is somehow code for something that I don't understand. I'm feeling old too quick. Oh, being a grandma doesn't mean being old. No, of course not. And as well, a matter of fact, in a great many cultures around the world, women start giving birth when they're 15. So you're grandma by the time you're 45. Well, yeah, that I didn't mean that by the clinical sense. Right. And of course, it's also a term of endearment and a term of honor. Not everywhere in Australia, auntie is the term of honor, but in in the Native American cultures that I have been present in, grandmother is the term of honor and grandfather. I think that I think that was my intent when I said it. But yeah. once I swallowed it it was real. Well, you know and I the only thing I allowed my the only thing that's that a problem with old is that it suffers from a lack of good adjectives, right? How about Fascinatingly yeah. old, stunningly old, thrillingly old. How about stupendously old? How about right? Because after all, what's the goal? Is the goal to get old? I think that's how I felt when I said it, but Well the goal is to get older. The goal is to get old. The only other option is die young. Now, there's certain advantages to dying young. They don't have any old pictures of you, and they will always publish the oldest picture they have of you. 
Eleanor Roosevelt really? was Yeah, Eleanor Roosevelt was, you know, not a stunningly beautiful young woman, but she was very attractive. But you only see the pictures of her in her latter years. Yeah. So you've got to, you know, be willing for that too. That what's your take on seeing that gray hair? What's your take on those wrinkles? If you are bad-mouthing yourself with those bad adjectives when you see those things, then sure, that's what you're seeing. Well, I said my dog. I'll tell you my my epiphany, you know. I looked in the mirror during menopause and I said, my gosh, look at your body. My gosh, you don't look 20 anymore. You don't even look 40 anymore. (laughs) Holy magolies, you look like old. That's what I mean. Look at my face. In front of my face there were two images. Eleanor Roosevelt, that old woman, and Nancy Reagan, a woman who never aged. Right? Yep. And it was like the universe was saying, which one of these would you like to be, Susan? And I'm not talking politics here. You answered my question. Uh, before the eyes of a dog, I'm a, I'm a very young lady. You are I guess. magnificently old. You are thrillingly old. You are older and older every day. Thank goodness well, you are no longer young. Well, that's true, too, because Lucy's only like three years old, a dog. I mean, really, how much would they have to pay you to be 20 again? Um, they wouldn't have to pay me, but I wouldn't take 20. That's a little too young. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly what I'm saying. They would have to yeah. pay you to take twenty. They would have to. It was difficult. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And Fifteen right. was even more difficult, if you recall. Oh, forget about that. Oh. And ten was not such great shakes either. Oh, now now we're talking like it's so scary. Like to think we're getting old, and then oh gosh, I have to be young again. Like that's the hard part. <laughs> that would right. that would be hey hooray you're old. Ha ha! Hooray! You've got mold! Yay! Hooray for us! That that's funny you say that because I I just said to my son I think I'm in my teenage years again. He goes, you think? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I just mean like I'm like, hey, you know, it is what it is. I know very few teenagers who have that philosophy. Most teenagers are, oh, my gosh, I'm different. What do I do to to be like everybody else? Oh, uh, well, okay. I was lucky. I was lucky. My I, parents let me do whatever I wanted, so. <laughs> even if parents let you do what you want, the essence of being a teenager is to fit in. Well, on top of doing what I wanted, I said, I want to do this. And they said, okay, I want to go ride horses. Okay. You know, I want a greenhouse. Okay. You know, I was very blessed. Yes, very blessed. Thanks to your parents. Blessed be. Well, now I'm old and none of that matters. Now you're you're older and tomorrow you will be older (laughs) still. Me too. All of us. Well, I I think what I really want to say was how much I identify with you. As a young person my age, you you started teaching people this, and I didn't really understand how you could be so young and do that. 
But now that I'm your age, I bless you from the bottom of my heart. You you Thank prepared you so me. <laughs> Thank you, Susan. Enjoy. Dream Thank blessing. You. Lots of love. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, the next caller is coming from the 209 area code. And how many more callers do we have? We just have this caller in uh, with their okay. hand raised at this moment. So if you have a question, make no. sure to press 1. <laughs> Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, I'm calling to ask about... Um, I had a, an MRI done on my left hip for... Um, some pain I was having, and during that MRI, they noted I had um, bilateral ovarian cysts, and um, so they had me come in. I went in for an ultrasound, and at that point, I had um, bilateral cysts, one two centimeters, one four centimeters, so I my... Um, plan of action was just to watch it and I did get the chickweed tincture and I got two ounces so over about I guess um, four months I took I took the whole bottle of that like one dropper a day dropper full that's a day not any, that's not anywhere near enough that's what I thought so the effective dose is up to six dropperfuls a day. Okay. So where do you buy like a gallon of chickweed tincture if if it's winter time and you don't have time to make it? Well, everybody has time to make it, and chickweed well, loves growing in the winter. It does. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've been, and I I believe that both Red Moon herbs and Catskill Mountain herbals sell large bottles of tincture. Okay. Well, I just bought two more ounces from Rebecca. I've been really enjoying her tinctures and her um, her, uh, St. Joan Wort oil is just so amazing. I I love that stuff. It's like like magical. It is, it is. I love it so much. So I'm starting my, I live in California in the Central Valley. I got to go on one weed walk with um, someone somewhat knowledgeable about um, our herbs. And one dry day we had, we went out and he showed me a few things. So now I guess I... Were you able to find chickweed? We found some in a little... um, on a on our on a main street in where a tree was growing around the base of the tree, just a little plant of it he showed me. But okay. yeah, that'd be no way near enough to make what I need in a tincture so if I'm gonna take six drop six dropperfuls a day. Mm-hmm. Um I did have my follow up ultrasound done last week and there was no um size difference in either. Well, that's good. Um, They're not growing. Yes. Yes, it is really good. So, 
and I don't really have a lot of pain. Um, every once in a while, I have a a sharp pain like I used to have when I was ovulating. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So is basically a cyst like where there was an egg that um, wanted, you know, yeah. at one time wanted to come out? I didn't. Is that, um, since I That's haven't right. had a period, I'm 62, and I uh-huh. ha- I can't even remember when the last time I had a period was, so it's been uh-huh. like over 10 years. So I, I would like to reel back just a little bit. Okay. You you had a pain in your hip. Yeah. Is this what started this? Was there was a pain in your hip? Well, I had an injury from running. That um, physical therapy did not seem to help. Uh, and you're a run, so, you're a runner. You run. No, frequently. I no. I show dogs. I show do- I breed and show dogs. Okay. So I had gone in the ring and showed a bunch of dogs at one show when I wasn't in proper shape, and the next day and following I just had this extreme right hip pain okay which was diagnosed right there right there the very first thing the very first thing you do is you put that hypericum oil on it okay well this is before right away you put the hypericum oil on the pain and you start taking hypericum tincture internally okay okay then what I usually think is the is important is to ask that area, do you need heat or cold? Okay. Would you like to be iced? Would you like to be warmed? Would you like a heating pad? Would you like a warm bath? Would you like a cold shower? Okay. And to really speak directly to the area because what I see is that there are seven medicines, right? Right. Story medicine, mind medicine, lifestyle medicine, alternative medicine, pharmaceutical medicine, and deep medicine, high-tech medicine. So what happens is it's like that game of shoots and ladders. You wanted a story, and suddenly you found yourself in deep medicine. Suddenly you found yourself (laughs) having an MRI. And now that MRI is going to tell you all this other stuff that is going to bother you and concern you. As a matter of fact, I was just reading an article in the New England uh, Journal of Medicine about the huge numbers of benign kidney cysts that are being seen on MRIs. Oh wow! Huh. And whether or not kidneys should be removed if they have a benign cyst. Hmm. And at least there's a question about that because, unfortunately, with ovaries, there's not much question. The medical establishment says, "Oh, you're 60. You don't need those things. They're just a place that cancer can form. We'll take them for you." Yep. They are very cavalier about jerking your ovaries out. Yep. I, and they I act think. like it's a minor little thing. We'll just do a laparoscopic surgery and <laughs> suck that ovary right out of your body. You won't even notice it. Well, you know what? The latest information says that cancer doesn't start in the ovaries. It starts in the fallopian tubes. Oh. Huh. And that taking a woman's ovaries out does not spare her ovarian cancer. Wow. And that the vast majority of ovarian cysts have nothing to do with cancer. Huh. 
Okay. In fact, I have seen this correlation with breast cysts, that women who have cystic breasts are, are uh-huh. women who don't get breast cancer. Huh. It's like the breast has chosen some other way to deal with it, right? It says, ah, I'm not going to do cancer. I'm going to do cysts. Yeah. And I think a similar thing goes on with the ovary too. I truly do not worry about these ovarian cysts that are seen kind of as a backwash from something else, right? Right. If right. you do a sci- if you do a scientific study that is supposed to prove that A causes B and you discover that A causes C, that's not publishable. You're not allowed to jump the tracks like that. And yet they do it all the time to us in medicine. Oh, well, you came in for your hip, but look what's going on in your ovary. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Nothing is going on. And what's going on in your hip? What did the MRI show about your hip? A partial muscle tear, which hyperactive takes care of that. Which they just totally, the orthopedic surgeon just totally glossed over that fact. Because there was exactly. nothing to do surgery f- to help me. He didn't that even muscle, tell me that. The muscle tear will be repaired by the hypericum and okay. by comfort. Great. And so this is I'm, why I strongly prefer people to work with whatever they have at hand for a certain length of time. You said that the physical therapy wasn't helping. In fact, I would think that the physical therapy was making it worse if there was a muscle tear, because what that needs is rest. Right. Yes. Well, I hadn't found you yet, because this happened like oh, over a year, and, no, year and a no half brain, ago. No shame. Talking about general for everybody listening, not what I've done or what you've done. It's not individual stuff. We all make the well, best decisions and at every I've, I've been researching stuff to help me get better for a long time because I have, like, chronic fatigue, and you're the first one that's actually made sense with the nourishing herbal infusions and the tinctures. It, it They have been really helping me a lot, and I really appreciate it. I just ordered your book down there, because I'm thinking that's going to have lots of good information about um, the ovarian cysts in it. It does. And um, uh, uh, my one other question is about yarrow. Yeah. If I remember right, you've mentioned that you can use that, the tincture, as a spray for, um, like, fleas and ticks. A flea and tick repellent. Right. That's what I meant. Sorry. Okay. Yes, for the dogs and myself. <laughs> Just spray it on. I don't have I don't have dogs, quite, so I can't tell you personally if it works on dogs, but I can tell you it certainly works on humans. Okay, great. Well, great. I'm loving learning all about this stuff, and I guess they consider St. Jones wort a noxious weed in California, they will not allow me to buy seeds of it in my state. Then I guess you'll have to become an outlaw. 
Well, I got some on eBay because, but they. I was talking to a lady, and she's we we're practically at sea level, and she said it it grows higher up in the in the exactly. But it's not sea level. Yeah, not a sea level plant. It needs some cold for the winter. As a matter of fact, the best that I've seen grows up in Canada, northern Montreal, up in Nova Scotia. Ooh, the hypericum that I picked in Nova Scotia had so much of that red oil in it that as we picked it, it ran down our hands and onto our arms and stained our hands and arms red. Wow, that sounds awesome. And by the time I get down to even northern Virginia, it's getting really hard to find. Hmm. Okay. So it does it does need a winter and it's a plant that wants a really open sunny location. Okay. It lo- it likes a field and horses won't eat it. So a place where horses graze is a place to look for it. What about cows? Will they eat it? I'm I they have will only, they will only eat it if the pasture is overgrazed. Okay. Horses horses generally won't eat it even if they have nothing else to eat. The cows, if they have nothing else, will eat it. And so will sheep, and it can cause abortion in both cows and sheep. But I think, well, isn't that clever? Here's an overgrazed pasture, and the last time to get eaten causes abortion so the pasture doesn't get overeaten. Yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) Natural birth control. And I take it the... Infusions are safe to give to my animals, especially my um, breeding animals, because like, I do have Juliet of the Herbs books on natural. Isn't she, um, isn't she wonderful? She's just You, you can give young. animals. You certainly can give animals infusion. I, gener- I don't do it as a rule, not as a lifestyle thing. Right. I, would, I do it like in case of extreme where there's a severe injury like I had to have my goose inside who was mauled by a fox for weeks and weeks and I fed him infusions I had a cat who was mistakenly run over by a student who was trying to leave quietly by not turning her engine on so she didn't wake up the cat who was sleeping under her car and she crushed her pelvis oh, and no. we gave that cat comfrey infusion but whenever I give it to an animal I always mix it with milk or yogurt okay okay Okay, thank you very much. Right. And I'll let you get on to your next caller. Green blessing. All right. Oh. You too. Thank Green you. Blessing. Green blessing. Good night. Good night. The next caller is coming from the 541 area code. And is this the last one? It looks like we might have had another person that asked earlier queued back up, so if we can get done oh, with this one. If I can fit them both in. Go back. Okay. Okay. Hi, Susan. Hi. Hi, good to talk to you. Um, so tonight I'm calling um, about uh, nail biting and, like, picking. Uh, I've got that. I've had this lifelong habit, and um, it's gone, and it's gone sometimes, and then return, and sometimes I'll do the manicures or things. Um, but... Uh, it bothers me, <laughs> and I'm just curious if you have any ideas. I think I missed what it is that we're talking about. Oh, uh, nail biting? Nail biting. Mm. Got it. Yeah. Got it. You bite your nails. Picking, yeah. 
And do you do it at specific times or when there's specific stressors, or is it just at any time? Yeah, so um, I think tiredness is a factor. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Sometimes, like, even before going to bed, it's like I'm feeling restless a little bit, and I can see my, feel myself, like, picking and um, definitely, you know, sometimes worry, kind of the classic worry, anxiety. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, something interesting. Something so interesting. Mo- I just noticed. Have you worked? Yeah. Go ahead. Worked at all with motherwort when you feel that way? You know, I have been working with motherwort in general um, for some anxiety and um, and uh, I had been feeling a little bit of heart palpitations lately, so I kind of uh, turned back to motherwort. Definitely has been helpful. Yes, but not specifically at the moment that I find myself biting my nails. Which says to me you need to have more bottles of motherwort and they need to be in more places in your house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that sounds good. And you need to have something else you can bite. Mm. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a pencil or a nut. Mm-hmm. Or a piece of dried fruit. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. my, bo- my body really likes to chew. Until I gave it hard things to chew, all night long it would chew its own teeth. Mm-hmm. And once I figured out that my body really needed to chew and started giving it nuts and dried fruit to chew, it stopped chewing mm-hmm. itself up. <laughs> okay. So you can work with yourself. You don't have to fight yourself because you know and yeah. I know that's not it's not gonna work. Yeah. It's not gonna work. So work yeah. with yourself. Give yourself that calming motherwort, something to chew, and when you find yourself doing it, what I would do totally up to you, is I would have a diversionary tactic. Right. So what I like to use as a diversionary tactic is a color. So I find myself doing Mm. something. Yeah, you remember horrible summer when my barn burned down. And I would find myself, you know, thinking these horrible thoughts. And my diversionary tactic was green. And as soon as I heard myself thinking that thought, I just started saying green, 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 green. And I would look at green, and I would divert myself completely onto green. Yeah, that's a good strategy. Because we are divertible, aren't we? (laughs) Yeah. Now, Rebecca asked me to see if I could answer two questions. So I hope you think this is an adequate enough answer that I can fit in the last one. Yes. Yes, I can always call back. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Thank you. Great blessing. Good night. Good night. All right. We're going back to an 845 caller. Hi. Thank you. Did you have another question? Okay. <clears throat> Hello, Hi. Susan. Hi. I want to talk about the plants uh, coming soon for the liver. Our nettles and our ramps and all those green plants. 
Uh, I want to talk about them. I know there's never too much when uh, when they're first coming out, but how how quickly can you pile them on after a long, long winter? I'm not exactly clear what you mean by a long, long winter. Certainly winter may be long, but I have dried nettle and I can make nettle infusion and I have frozen kale and frozen collards and frozen amaranth and frozen lamb's quarter and frozen Swiss chard and frozen beet greens. I have at least a half cup serving of cooked greens every day, no matter how long the winter is. I know you do, but I don't. So Why because not? I haven't had Well but there let's are not supermarkets. Go, Surely you live somewhere where there's a supermarket. You can go to Walmart and buy frozen kale. Well, in my in my garden, I have four beds, and one is nettles, and one is ram. And in that's the, in the wonderful. Spring, but what I'm saying is, this, there should not be a long winter of deprivation. I know, but because and, of and it, if you don't I'm have saying. it for yourself, then I'm suggesting buy it. No, I'm I'm, I'm asking you a serious question. Next okay, month, I'm not sure gonna, what the question is. Okay. I'm I'm going to have one bed of nettles, about three by six, and one of rams. I have a bed I have a bed of nettles and I usually harvest from that bed of nettles at least monthly to make nettle soup. Right. So, I have so, as much I have a much larger bed of nettles, which I let grow and then harvest for drying for infusion. Right, but 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 because I eat like a weirdo, like in the winter I'm like in the cave with the meat and potatoes, and then in the spring I'm like nettles and ramps, and then in the summer I'm like oh fruits and vegetables, you know. In the fall, you know the squash and the cannabis. That was a joke. I hope that you call back because I would love to talk to you more. But I have to say green blessings and goodbye right now. Oh, I can't wait to hear the. Yes, we're going to be talking with Kathleen Hannigan. Please call back, okay? Kathleen Hannigan is a spiritual teacher, a modern mystic, and a psychotherapist. Her work integrates the essential wisdom of the great spiritual traditions with modern scientific knowledge. And her 30 years of working intimately with individuals, couples, groups, and herself, her own quest for liberation. But the clarity that comes from one familiar with the territory of the heart, Kathleen Hannigan shows us how to expand our awareness beyond the limitations of a culture that has lost its soul. She teaches us how to remain awake at every stage of the journey so we can do what we came to earth to do, live a wholehearted and prosperous life of loving kindness, generosity, and truth. Kathleen Hannigan's book, Love Seed, The Template for Birthing a New World, shows us how to create miracles through shifts in perception that allow us to transcend the sphere that creates personal and collective pain. Welcome to the show, Kathleen. 
thank you so much. That you read that so beautifully, and you said the transcend. <laughs> I love it. You got that. <laughs> yeah, it's, there has to be an end to the trance, you know. <laughs> there has to be an end to the trance. The trance. So you yeah. know when I when I tell people that I do not believe in evil, that I believe that we all, at the, our core of being, are loving, generous, and good. Some people look mm-hmm. at me like I've lost my mind. I know, I know. Well, they're not looking deep enough. That's the thing. That's that's the only thing. It's like not seeing what's underneath, right? And yet, but yet, yet when, you know, like then there's the saying that what you see is what you get too. So. Uh, you know, if people aren't uh, showing their their beauty and their essence and their light, then then how would anybody know? You know, <laughs> so well, how they show it all? If they're not going to show it, how do we know? How do you know this? How do you know? How do you come to this belief that every single one of us is really, ultimately, essentially good and loving? Well, how did I come to that? Such a beautiful question. Um, even when it was difficult for me as a child, and my dad and I would really get into it, and he was—he could be harsh with me. I still saw—I could still feel his love. And kid at an early age that figured out that people did what they did the the, bad, the quote unquote bad things because they were afraid. So. I I have I learned to give people the benefit of the doubt, but I can also feel my own goodness, and I can feel how we're connected. I feel the connection. Now, obviously, there are such things as sociopaths and all that. We see a lot of that right now, but that's all aberration, I think. You know, it's like mutation. So I well, I just what, stuck what, with what, it. What, yeah. What Wilhelm Reich said, and I find it very interesting, he says even the sociopath has that love seed deep within them, but there is so much armor that as it tries to come out, it comes out violently. Exactly. It comes out with the force of the pain that's been, you know, inside. Yes. And and, and we've all been there when we wanted to love somebody and we hurt them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, the ones we love the most. It could have been even our own parents, our mother, or a child, or a, a lover, a partner. Um, yeah, because that's where the shadow comes out, the, the part that's not presented. You know, where the, you know mostly we sh- we're showing the false self to the world unless, until you do the work of connecting to your love scene, and you can show that to the world, and, and you can you be, be happy about that. But, you know, there's a lot of them covering a lot up right now, and that has been for a long time. And when you say until you do that work, could you tell us a little more about what you mean about that work or give us an example? Yeah. Um, it's that, you know, every little infant is born just with a full vitality, aliveness, innocence. It's, it doesn't have a cognitive process to judge anything. It cries when it's hungry, you know, or when it's hurt. And then we, you know, we, through the, I mean, pretty early on when we're told no, no, don't, no. And even if we had parents that, didn't criticize even all that much the culture. It's very harsh. And here are the statistics. It's really wild. That that's, the, the self-esteem is the capacity to, to perceive oneself as lovable and capable. That 80% of first graders feel that way. 20% of fifth graders. 
And five percent of seniors in high school. Oh my gosh. Uh, the school system. I mean, so it's the parents, and many things can can cause that child to cease its authentic reaction and response to life, and then to smile when it's sad, get mad when it's afraid, you know. And and so that love thing gets buried, and then this adaptive personality emerges, and we think that's who we are. You know, and, and and as long as you're presenting something that isn't really you to the world, you'll feel like an imposter, and you won't feel really feel good about yourself. Which then kind of builds on. I think it's called a self fulfilling prophecy. If people mm. think I'm bad, I might as well be bad. I may as well be bad, or you know, they called me shy or sensitive. That seemed to not be a good thing. So. You know, I become the wallflower or, you know, it, it's this, this like, hit that we, we go underground, you know. And and it's like, I always say, and I, because I'm a gardener and I love the earth, the love seed came to me and I, I use it as, like I say, it gets buried. But it's still there, like a seed. And it has infinite potential. And it needs to be water and it needs sunlight. And the water and the sunlight are the... Um, the mirroring and the affirmation that we get from our lives. And when we don't get it, then the little seed doesn't grow. That's very beautiful, that image of the being watered and, and having the light that we need. Yeah, yeah. And we need it, and it's, it's called mirroring. And it's when we really... It's like that the child, the parent is meant to mirror the child and see the beauty and the magnificence in the child, but if the if the parent is too narcissistic, then in the gazing to the infant, the infant is actually giving energy to the parent instead of receiving it, and it's it's very subtle. It's not even anything. It, so the 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 taking from the child or the bearing of the love seat can start as early as you know in the early days of life. And yet, I think even if circumstance or culture has caused us to be narcissistic and we are taking that we can nonetheless wake up to that and that waking up oh, to what we're doing yeah. is the first step to anything else. Yeah, it's the first step. So the work really is that we have to go down into the earth. It's a feminine process. It's not the norm of our culture to do that. It's becoming a bit more as as more women become into power and the divine feminine is stronger on the planet. But there's a descent. It's not just rising up to great success, climbing the ladder. It's quite the opposite. It's going down into the belly, into the feelings, into the old hurt, the old sadness. And, you say, and people say, well, why would I want to do that? Well, because if if you don't, it comes out in depression, anxiety, physical illness, a lack of joy. So why wouldn't you want to do it? <laughs> I mean, and, you know, it's like, it's like, so it's like plucking weeds. You've got to go in and, and, and sort out like what's really me. It's a beautiful process. It can be done with a shaman. It can be done with a good therapist. It can be done, you know, you can do a lot on your own. Um, in my book, I, I, I basically lay out a map, a roadmap and, 
and so it's a descent, and it's into into the darker, into the more sh- the, the shadow. But in the shadow, maybe wonderful things. There are also maybe things that we're ashamed of, and we need to be able to to make peace with that. And so it's a it takes a lot of courage for the journey. It does. Courage. And yeah, people also find it extraordinary when I say that. That I completely agree with you that we live in a culture that has lost its soul, and the reason it's lost its soul is because it's been pursuing getting high. Yeah, going up and, and climbing going ladders, up. and yeah, you know, you know, the ladder Achieving. of success, you know, and yes. and not being not being willing to to just um, to to let something, you know, it's like instant success instead of. Um, being able to wait. You know, I tell this story in the book, Suzanne, it's really it's really true. It happened when I I bought this house and I turned it into a temple and I, I did all the gardens myself and I had never done it before. I like really like I knew what to do. <laughs> and I had seen that one of my neighbors had this big, beautiful elephant plant, elephant ear plant, right? And I said, Oh, I'd like one of those. So I went and I got a bulb and they're very big. You know, they're like a softball. <laughs> and and I, I didn't read anything about it. I just simply planted it where I thought it would look beautiful. And um, then nothing happened that year. Nothing happened the next year. And then the very next year, I was, t- you know, pulling out weeds by the fence. And I saw this. I, I dug my, my, um, my knife into the ground, and I cut this thing, and it looked like it wasn't just a weed. And I was, oh, I'm so sorry. I, you know, and I took it and I put it in my compost. So I just threw it away. Thought, oh, I'll put it there. You know. A few months later, I came out, and I saw this big green shoot coming up out of my compost. Like, I took it, and I planted it, not knowing that it was that elephant ear plant, and I planted it. In the same place I had planted the elephant ear plant, ironically. But it had moved, right? I don't know how that happens, but it did. And it was the most magnificent plant I ever grew. And I thought about that. I thought how many times we we bury things or throw them away like talents because somebody told us we weren't good at it or we compare ourselves to someone else and so we bury something. So lots of times buried is a lot of good stuff and so that plant taught me something so amazing <laughs> it was it, you know it, right in the compost heap right in the compost heap right right at the compost heap how beautiful yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so it's like I, I my whole thing is do this work and you change the world this is how we do it we don't do it out there, yeah, there's plenty to be done out there. And but the people that have that are doing the work out there, if you don't do the work in here, then you're you'll be just you know you'll be swayed by the politics of life, you know. But when you have done the work and you're connected to your love seed, nothing can knock you too far off course. You know, you you have um, you, it's like you you begin to live what you were meant to live. As a therapist, 
pharmaceutical medicines has had an impact on your work, yes? Yeah. Well, um, like I think it was 1988 or 89 that Prozac came out. So just as I became, I raised three kids and then I became a psychotherapist and I worked for 30 years in in this career. And at the very beginning, most people were not taking medication, you know, like Lexapro or Prozac or, you know, Wellbutrin. And um, the the statistics are uh, are staggering right now. And, um, And as that happened, it, I cannot say that people are, I think technology has increased anxiety. Um, Repression is still on the rise, but people um, ceased doing the deeper work and being as committed because the medication took the edge off. And I do understand and see the value of medication when there's a crisis, like a death or a divorce, and you need to be on it for six months. But you're meant to get off of it. And and there are other things you can do to never get on it. But people end up staying on 15, 20, 25 years. And that's not how it was meant to happen. And it takes it's, the it's, edge it's off not, the and, and I want to argue with you about the need for it if there's been a death or a divorce. Yeah. Because I yeah. personally think that pain is very important. You're and so that's right. one of the reasons yeah. that this culture has lost is because yeah. we don't experience pain anymore. It won't cause you to suffer. It's, I call it conscious right. suffering in the book. I, I read about it. And I, so truly, I, I have occasionally seen where someone can't get out of bed and they have kids, okay? So that, then I see like a short term. But for the most part, I have all kinds of, you know, tools in my toolbox to help people. And I have connections with with other healers and functional medicine doctors and herbalists and acupuncturists. And so there are other things that can be done. And, and well, I happen to attract a lot of people who don't want to take medication. So, which is great. That's you know, but I, I will yeah. tell you that functional medicine raises a big red flag for me. I, the biggest drug pushers going. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. 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 They're the most heroic of the heroics. They pretend that everybody is filled with toxins and they're going to create a specialized way to get rid of your toxins. Oh, my gosh. And it oh, usually involves like, taking all, all kinds of supplements and the supplements. Whoa. Yeah, the supplements. That's what I mean, drugs. Yeah. Supplements yeah. are drugs. It's true. There's sometimes just... medicine is drug pushing. Yeah. I'd rather see somebody go to a real MD than somebody who does functional medicine. Really? Wow. Really? Yeah, I, mean, I think... I, I, I've been given way too much at a, uh, uh, and I had to just, like, I couldn't take it anymore. Um, mostly food. I mean, most food is going to help. You know, the food and plants and, uh, I mean, that's the medicine. But, you know, that's it is another the medicine. It is and, the medicine. But and I make the point, Kathleen. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of women not cooking anymore. I mean, like, literally, sometimes, I, I, you know, like, there are women who don't know how to make a big pot of soup. And I'm, I know this because I work with a lot of women. <laughs> and I even address it. I bring it up. I say, you know, and I say, it's, oh, it takes so long and I'm so busy. I said, well, then let's look at the whole picture because <laughs> if you can't find time to, you know, 
make soup in a crock pot or something that, you know. So I, this is what I've been dealing with. Um, I've gotten busier. There's this scatter, and they're moving more away from the earth and the earth-based healing and into, um, you know, and moving too fast. We're not supposed to move that fast, you know. Um, that's not natural to be, you know, answering 15 things at once, <laughs> you know, and, and that's what's happened. So uh, I think people need to, you know, eat. I, I eat a lot of roots in the winter. <laughs> I, I, I exactly, you know. Um, so, well, you know, Gene Houston said that in order to drive a car, you have to use your eyes to look forward. You have to use your eyes to look in the rear view mirror. You have to use your eyes to look in the side view mirror. You have to use your hands on the steering wheel. You have to use your hands for the temperature control and perhaps the um, audio control. And you have to use your feet at least for accelerating and braking and in older cars for shifting as well, which you also had to use your hands for. So, in fact, in order to do almost anything in modern life, we must multitask. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, It's not a choice that we have in order to do it. And this is part, I think, of what gives rise to that road rage is that people are disconnected from themselves because they're having to multitask just to be in the car. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're on the phone too. Yeah, they don't, I mean, you, you know, literally people people on the phone, holding the phone, turning into a parking lot. You know, I... Uh, <laughs> but so I, I have a... Well, that's a whole other thing. Well, that's not part I of know. driving. I'm just talking about the things that are part of driving. Please but the whole multitasking thing, right? Please don't uh, have your phone anywhere near you when you're driving. I, call, I have made taxi cab drivers stop and look me out if they take out a phone and put it to their head. If, if it's mounted on their dash and they're looking at it, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. People use yeah. the map function a lot. In addition to those drugs that you were talking about, changing how you've worked with people, I think yep. you have also used deep medicine in the form of what I call realitrons, plants that uh, allow us yeah. to see reality. Yes. Right? They're not uh, hallucinogens, the realitrons. The realitrons that that open up um they they what they do is that they they tune down the central control system of the brain and they allow all these other pathways to open up that have so much dimension so many other realities you know connections um within us very creative part of the brain and um there is a big resurgence it's all above board at the moment but um, I have, you know, um, taking clients down to, to South America and, um, I, I really recommend these things. I have very good friends who run these events and, um, I'm really looking forward to the time when, when, you know, um, plants like mushrooms can be used. They're, they were, it was all the rich Like psilocybin mushrooms or peyote yeah. cactus. Exactly. Let's, um, let's yep. be clear, though, that mm-hmm. as deep medicine, these things, just like the pharmaceuticals, are not to be used over a long period of time or not daily. 
Not at all. They are unique, deep events. Yeah, they're profound, and and um, the, there needs to be guidance. There always needs to be guidance, and I actually, you know, think it needs to be done in a sacred way, and I always, you know, uh, recommend that. And you know, the, these they're breakthroughs that can do like a year to more of therapy, or or what therapy never could times, but. The integration what is the therapy could never do, and what the yeah. person could not ever give the therapist, no matter how much they wanted to. Exactly, you know, and they were very like this area I live in near D.C. Uh, it was all the rage here, John Hopkins and and Shady Grove, and then when um, Timothy Leary made it a kind of culture, counterculture, the government knew that people could change from this, and they you know shut it down. But there's a lot of research being done right now, and I have a lot of hope for, for the future. <laughs> I do, I do. So um, I do, I do too. And I'm glad that we have finally lived into a time when the deep medicine of these realitrons yeah. and these psychoactive plants can yeah. be used again, not negligently. I compare them to surgery. You wouldn't have oh, yeah. anybody take a steak knife and do surgery on you. You want a skilled no. surgeon who studied. You want to be in a surgical theater with, you know, good attention to um, making sure that you're not going to get an infection. The same thing is true with these psychoactive plants. Exactly. I, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Breathe They're living the, and they have a consciousness. The, they, yes. they literally have a consciousness and they, they teach us. They're teachers. Um, but you have to be ready. They're lessons. <laughs> you know, Um in, in a way, I say, I say Susan, that the what a journey I talked about before that descent, you you can do that and come through the whole journey with these plants. It's it's quite remarkable. Yes. Yeah. Mm. yeah, beautiful. This is Susan Reed talking with Kathleen Hannigan. Her book is Love Seed: The Template for Birthing a New World. How can people find out more about the book or even buy the book? Well, they can go to my website and can get it, um, read more about it there, and there's a trailer, but they can buy it on Amazon. Um, my website is um, www.kathleenhannigan.com. And, um, and that's uh, you know, Kathleen with a K. K, with a K, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hannigan, just like it sounds, dot com. And there's a trailer for Love Seed there. Oh, how exciting. Yeah. And yes. then you can connect to getting it there, or you can go to that, um, that company that that's named itself <laughs> after a big, strong woman. <laughs> and you think that women are at the forefront of change right now. I do. I do. I think that... Um, you know, what the Dalai Lama said is true, that the Western woman will save the world because she can. She has the resources and the heart. I think that, I mean, I work with men and women, um, work with couples. Um, I think, you know, there, men are coming along, but there's a, the patriarchy did a job on both both genders, but um, women have um, a natural capacity to for compassion and empathy that when... You know, it's like we reach out for one another and watch out for one another. Um, that sense of 
empathy and cooperation, I think, is what, what's so needed in the world. So the, the, the feminine way is is desperately needed right now. And the strength, the solar feminine, not the... You know, no, I, it's not feminine. feminine. It's not feminine, Kathleen. It's female, and that's different. It's female, yeah. It's it's and feminine it's, is it's cultural. Energized. Female is what we are. Yeah, it's very yeah. energized. Yep, it's very fiery and fierce and compassionate at the same time. It's, it's that female energy is there's it's a vortex of energy. I've had two two women's groups that I have had for quite a while, and when we get together, there's a vortex. Oof. It's it's remarkable. Um, it and is every- indeed. I can hardly believe that our time is up. I'm having such a great time talking to you. I feel like we've just barely started to talk. I want to ask you about a million more questions. So uh, I want to remind I everybody that you can find Love Seed, a template for birthing a new world at www. Kathleen with K, Hannigan.com, or at, you know, that seller who named himself after a big, strong woman. And <laughs> Kathleen, I want to give you the law. Yes, isn't it interesting that a big, strong woman is like the major yes. retailer? Uh-huh, that certainly tells us something about, yeah, okay. <laughs> but I want to give you, Kathleen, the last word here. What do you want to leave in the hearts and minds of all the listeners? Oh, I want to leave that. Um, let's focus on the new world we're, we're co-creating, and not get too stuck on what's wrong. Um, and and be willing. To find the courage inside to move the the new world as we do that work. When you connect to your love seat, you are a force to reckon with, and that's my message. When you connect to your love seed, you are a force to be reckoned with. It's Kathleen Hannigan. And if you want more, go to www.kathleenhannigan.com and pick up a copy of Love Seed. Kathleen, what a delight it has been to have you on the show. And I so appreciate the work that you are doing in the world for all of us. And I I want to use this as an opportunity to remind all of us that the work we do on ourselves benefits everyone. It's not selfish. No, it's not. (laughs) Thank you so much, Susan, for this opportunity. Thank you, Kathleen. Thank you for helping me reweave the healing cloak of the ancients. And Rebecca, herbal medicine is people's medicine. It's such a delight to have this ongoing relationship with you. Thanks for being there, Rebecca. Uh, thank you so much. Have a great night, everyone. Yeah, Monica and Justine went surfing this morning down in Costa Rica. Good night to them, too. Green blessings, everybody.